This is the Consumed Podcast, featuring conversations with the eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers of California's Central Coast. I'm a food writer and your host, Jamie Lewis. Before we get to the guest, I want to tell you about an event I'm hosting in collaboration with At Her Table, a food festival that celebrates women. The live event is called Apron Strings, a conversation about motherhood and the hospitality industry. And it's happening Tuesday, March 7th from 6 to 8 p.m. at There Does Not Exist Brewing in San Luis Obispo. In this live podcast recording, I'll speak with four mothers who own restaurants, Fabian Tefera of Ebony Slow, Brittany Gonzalez of Central Coast Tacos, Shani Covey of Luna Red and Robin's Restaurant, and Sam Whitaker of Bing's Bao Buns. And we want you in the audience. Admission is free, but you need to RSVP to claim your seat. Head to letsgetconsumed.com slash events for more info and a link to that RSVP. Thanks. I also want to give a shout out to some of the Consumed Podcast sponsors. We all know eating fruits and veggies is an important part of staying healthy. Fresh, local produce has the most flavor and nutrition, but how do you know what's in season locally? Become part of the Tally community as a member of the Tally Farms Box Program. Tally grows their produce and partners with other California farmers to include the freshest and best-tasting local produce you can find anywhere. Farming on the Central Coast since 1948, the Tally family created the Tally Farms Box to make healthy eating easy and affordable. Here's how it works. Select which size box you want, then choose pickup or home delivery and how often you want to get your box. It's flexible for customization and vacation holds, and included in all boxes are tested recipes and storage recommendations. Come be a part of Tally's healthy lifestyle. Visit tallyfarmsbox.com and use promo code CONSUMED for $10 off your first box. That's promo code CONSUMED for $10 off. Eat fresh, eat local, and eat lots of California fruits and veggies for better health. Slow Food Co-op is your friendly neighborhood grocer, maintaining local, organic, and non-GMO standards. Slow Food Co-op sources from local producers, ensuring they offer their shoppers great food and household staples. With a mission to empower health and well-being in the community, they offer local produce, meats, low-to-no-waste foods, and wellness items. You can find Slow's only community-owned grocery store on their website at slowfood.coop and visit Slow Food Co-op in-store at 2494 Victoria Avenue in San Luis Obispo, California. Rancho Steanoveros and Native Nine Wine are excited to announce they've reopened wine-tasting hospitality in Santa Barbara County, and they're currently taking reservations for private tasting and tours. These are hosted by the winery's new brand ambassador and educator, Wes Hagen, a 30-year veteran of Santa Barbara wine growing and winemaking. His tours are the stuff of legends. If you're ready for a dive into the greater wisdom and fun of Santa Barbara wine, a deep tasting of many vintages and wines in a picturesque setting with world-class hospitality, salami, and bread, you need to come experience this. Tastings and tours are $50 per person, a fee that's 100% refundable through a wine purchase or by joining the wine club. Get a reservation by texting Wes at 805-450-2324. Rancho de Anaveros is also having an open house in Los Alamos on Friday, April 21st from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. For $30 per person, you'll get wine, stories, and history. 
Come experience this winery designated by Wine and Spirits magazine as one of the top 100 wineries in the world. For more information, visit ranchosdeonaveros.com. Okay, on to the episode. Andrea Chavez oversees Tally Farms Fresh Harvest, a community-supported agriculture program with 3,500 subscribers across the western U.S. Tally Farms has been around for four generations. But when the Tally family wanted to start a weekly subscription-based harvest share program in 2012, they hired Andrea. Her expertise in the produce business is a marvel, as you'll hear from our conversation. Before the tape started rolling, she walked me around the farm, coolers, and packing areas to see how much goes into getting boxes of fresh fruits and veggies out to members. The logistics of distributing quality produce are challenging in a normal year, but in the time of COVID, it was off the chain. Listen to Andrea talk about her background, her job, and the one thing she and her husband Randy fight about. Oh, and check out her episode page on letsgetconsumed.com for the recipe to Andrea's final meal. Okay, here's Andrea Chavez of Tally Farms Fresh Harvest. It's so nice to be here. We're at Tally Farms, um, and we're in the boardroom, but you just took me on a tour of, like, the coolers, and um, you explained what some of the different cooling mechanisms are and what kinds of produce. And we've seen a lot of produce in the packing house for Fresh Harvest, and... What I'm struck by most is what a massive operation this is. And you've already said this is not even really massive compared to something like Driscoll's or um, some of the places in Sacramento and L.A., but it's a big, big operation. What is your role in everything here? I uh, created the Farm Box program for the tallies back in 2012. Yeah. And when you say it's massive, well, the farm is the massive part, the, the, the wholesale side of the farm. Yeah. That's probably about 85% of our overall revenue is the wholesale side of the farm. Okay. So, and then our farm box program is about 15% of the farm. And, um, and so we're not quite as big. And some people say, well, guy, you're too big to be a CSA, but we're just oh, a no. small part of the farm. That's interesting. Yeah. No, it's totally... I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it being CSA because, I mean, what is there like a size threshold for being community supported agriculture? No, no, no. And I mean, Tally Farms has been here since 1948. Correct. Um, I mean, if there if it's not, uh, you know, the most incredible family owned operation um, that's got its fingers in all different parts of our community. I mean, it supports so much here. The, the Tally family really, the, the two key things with farming is to be diversified mm-hmm. and um, also, you know, to be sustainable. Um, but the diversification uh, helps us to, to get over rain or freezing temperatures. Mm-hmm. We have um, avocados, lemons, uh, vegetables, wine grapes, our CSA. Um, we're an ag cluster, so that that in itself, with Las Ventanas housing development, that all contributes to being diversified yeah. and helps you be sustainable for years. People ask Brian Talley, um, "Do you grow sustainably?" And he said, "Oh, we we're sustainable. We've been here for over seventy years." <laughs> That's such a good answer. Yeah, yeah. Sustainable doesn't just mean. I mean, maybe getting back to the root of the word is 
is does we, it last? You want to farm correctly so your soil stays healthy, and um, and be part of your community so you get along with all your neighbors, mm-hmm. and um, and support the community um, organizations, uh, the nonprofits, yeah. because that's all part of being sustainable. Yeah. So we have fourth generation tallies working here now. Who are the fourth generation? The, that's Grant Talley mm-hmm. um, and Byron Talley. Yeah. Um, and then on, um, on the winery, on Brian's side, he's got Elizabeth and Olivia. Mm-hmm. And although they're not working at the winery right now, they are, they are in hospitality mm-hmm. and in, in learning about wine throughout the world. Mm-hmm. And so um, we assume they're going to come back and work at Talley Vineyard someday. Yes. That's so, so cool. Um, so who, remind me what uh, the first tally here in AG was, who um, it was. That was um, Oliver Tally. Oliver, right. And then he had two boys. He had Don and Ken Tally. Yeah. And, and, and then Ken, um, and uh, he had uh, Todd and Ryan. Mm-hmm. And then Don had Brian. Yeah. And so, and Marianne, who passed um, at a young age, Marianne, Brian's sister. And so, um, and Ken died at a young age. And so, uh, Ryan and Todd, um, but they've always worked here uh, um, when they were kids. They would work in the summertime picking beans. And so, Don um, was, you know, like their second father to them. Yeah. Wow. There's some tragedy there, for sure. Yes. Yes. Wow. Um, Oliver came here from where? I don't know. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because I asked Brian. Yes, exactly. We'll all have Brian on at some point. Well, and let's talk about you. So you're, you came from, I think you said Orange County was where you raised your family. Right. Okay. Correct. And that's where I was raised down there also. I went to Cal Poly, um, from 75 to 80. And then went right into the produce business. Did you know that's what you wanted to do? No. Okay. I don't come from an agricultural family at all. My dad was an electrical engineer, mm-hmm. um, and but I studied. Uh, I have a degree in economics okay. from Cal Poly with uh, a minor in marketing. Oh, and this so is perfect. I wanted to be sell in sales. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. But what? What kind of sales? What industry? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, when I graduated, I interviewed with um, Disney and Burbank. Mm-hmm. I interviewed with Procter and Gamble. Mm-hmm. Um, I interviewed with Warner Brother Records. I worked in the record um, business. Get out of here! In retail, I worked for Cheap Thrills through college. <gasps> I worked at Boo Boo's. Okay, <laughs> you worked at Cheap Thrills through Cheap college. Cheap Thrills seventy five, and I think the last year I was their weekend manager. Oh, that is so in eighty. Cool. So when you were with Warner Brothers, when you talk about working for record company record company are we talking about like they were pressing records at the time oh yes yeah, yeah. this was like 81 yeah 82 and I never went to work for Warner Brothers but I interviewed with them because I always okay. thought oh I'd be in the record business and then mm. I interviewed with Dole uh, Fruit Company yeah and I thought you know I could really get behind selling fruit selling mm. like I believe in this in produce. Yeah. And so that's how I got into the produce business. When you say you believed in it, do you mean like you had an appreciation for fresh food? Well, and- I was always a cook. My Growing up, my father, one of the rules, we had three rules in our house growing up. Uh, many, but, but the <laughs> three main biggies. three was we had to read half an hour. Yeah. We had to practice the piano half an hour. 
and if my, before I could go out and play. Mm -hmm. And if my mom was in the kitchen cooking, I was there too. That, that was, was one his, of the like, was values one, of your home. Yes, to learn how to cook and appreciate that. And all through college, I cooked, um, except for our, my year in the dorms. But So mm -hmm. I really appreciated home cooking, cooking from scratch. Mm -hmm. And so when I interviewed for a career job, it was perfect. That's, well, okay, first of all, your dad sounds incredible. Um, that's a wonderful way to develop good habits in somebody. Right. Um, what made you decide to go to Cal Poly, backing up a little bit? Why was that your school of choice? I wanted out of Southern California. Well, I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, I never want to live down there again. Mm. And, um, and so Cal Poly, I actually entered Cal Poly as an English major. Which all that reading, reading and and learning how to write, yeah. And it, I those years in the English department were awesome. Hmm. They taught me. I learned how to really write essays. Yeah. It was really good. And then I moved into the economics department. Okay. When I was teaching agricultural um, communications at Poly, you know the students coming in were ag students who had to take the class. It wasn't something that they chose. Um, and I was teaching, I mean, I come from a writing background, so I'm teaching them, you know, the proper use of, um, you know, passive versus active verbs and preposition use and, um, you know, writing a, a good hook for the first sentence, whether it's a press release or an essay or something that's um, editorial. And they would, you could see they just dreaded it because it's like, well, what does this have to do with what I want to do? Um in ag, and I tried to impress upon them that the ability to write and to know the structure of a sentence, I don't mean get nitty-gritty, but just to know how to write will serve you in every possible way. It's a foundation that everybody should have, no matter what their industry. So I would imagine Absolutely. that served you really well. I mean, I'm looking at when, I, when I've gotten tally boxes and I look at the sheet that you write every week. Um, it's obvious that, you know, this woman loves to write and <laughs> communicate just in general. Everybody should learn correctly, you know, how to write correctly. Yeah. And going into Cal Poly, I, I don't think I really did know. Mm -hmm. And so I took classes over again. I took English classes, composition classes twice if I didn't really? feel like I got the most out of it. Back then you could take classes, you, whatever you wanted pretty much. Is that right? You could take, I spent five wonderful years taking, I think, I don't know how many units I graduated with, but a lot. I took nutrition, I took health, mm. I, whatever classes I was interested in. Yeah. And so I just kept taking um, Shakespeare, you oh, know. You couldn't it do was that so now. Good. No. No, you, you, it's very prescribed, um, you know, for better or worse, I don't know, but I went to college and I chose, I took Shakespeare and, um, didn't major in English, but the fact that you could take those classes if they fit into your schedule, mm -hmm. it's a real liberal education. Right. right. So economics and marketing, I mean, I know that what you study in college isn't necessarily like, you know, who you become, but that for sure has served you well in this job, and I'm sure at Dole, too. Absolutely. And, and I'm really interested in behavioral economics. What is and, that? Well, it, it's how... How do people react to things? I mean, the government 
um, creates taxes mm -hmm. to change behavior. Hmm. So if you want people to save more money, well, you create the um, an your, incentive your IRAs yeah. or you know, and so it's it's how, how people behave. Economics is a social science. Hmm. It's yeah. a social science. Yeah. So it's I'm fascinated by it. How hmm. can we how can we encourage people to eat healthier? Yeah. Yeah. So with Dole, you were telling me as we were walking around the cooler, I met your adorable husband. Um, you two met there. He was one of your clients. He was I think one of said. my big customers at Dole. Yeah, right. And he and his dad owned part of a big wholesale company in Albuquerque. Mm. And they were located in Los Angeles. And um, they did all the buying, all the West Coast buying for the mm. company. Okay. And so he was one of my accounts. And we dated long distance for three years. Oh, wow. And finally, um, <laughs> finally, I said, you know, we better, you know, make some decisions here, because there's a lot of great guys in Salinas. <laughs> and I could be out doing, you know, dating. And yeah. so he, and then I moved back to Orange County, which I really didn't want to do. Yeah. But my folks were there and his folks were there. So yeah. it worked out really well. But as soon as they all passed, and our boys went off to college, we were, okay, let's get out of here. Yeah, and was this your first choice? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Because I could go back to work for a grower in Santa Maria. That was yep. the idea. And um, and my husband's five years older. Randy is five years older. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, he was like, well, I think I'm just going to retire a little bit and play golf. And, yeah. and then he got bored. But he knows quality, and he has really taught me a lot. After Dole, um, when I moved down back to Orange County, um, I went to work. I created um, a, a department for a produce company, and we call it mixed loading in mm -hmm. the produce business. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the, my customers in mixed loading were um, Cisco Foods, mm -hmm. um, Albertsons in Portland, Salt Lake. There were a lot of the customers I had when I was at Dole in the selling the Western region, Western United States so and Western Canada. Them. So I knew them. And... Um, all the big wholesalers they and retailers, they load something in L.A. Mm -hmm. every week. There's, it, that's why you call it mixing. They may need, um, they're short on green beans, so they need to pick some up there. Mm -hmm. Or um, their specialty things, fiddlehead ferns. Mm -hmm. um, back then, a box of blueberries was not as common as today, and it could be a $100 box of blueberries. Oy. And so I really learned about all the different kinds of produce, French beans, mm -hmm. and, um, and how to receive them, what, what quality, um, and then, of course, how to ship them. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a real science I'm discovering here. Um, I mean, I, I, know, I know that I don't know everything, but when you come here and see how intricate it is, obviously with the different temperatures for different kinds of produce, but also the different ways of cooling. We were talking about um, hydro cooling, ice. What's the what vacuum? Vacuum cooling. Right. Certain things can be cooled that way. Certain things can't. It's a real science, but I think there's got to be an art to it too. Um, you know, there is science, but then there's an art to the logistics of everything. And that's really what you oversee with the Fresh Harvest program. Well, and cr uh, creating a box every week is my challenge. Yeah. And creating a box that I think people want. Mm -hmm. um, 
and that go that go together. Can and then can we do we have a recipe that can utilize um, many of the things in the boxes? Yeah. Or maybe it's we need a recipe for something a little bit strange like fennel. Yeah. Or you know, a celery root, or do we need different, you know, so we sometimes will include recipes that we've tested Mm -hmm. that um, for the uncommon things in the box. But we try not to put anything weird in the box (laughs) because people need to be able to uh, get their box, store it correctly, Mm -hmm. and then on a busy weekday night when, you know, they're they're doing homework with kids or Um, they're rushing from work. They need something. Oh, okay. We need a vegetable. Oh, got my broccoli. Yep. And you, you need simple recipe to, to utilize it for dinner so that you have a well-balanced meal. Yeah. It just occurred to me that in the box, you do really prioritize, um, the way to prep and store things. Storage instructions and how you store our little gym lettuce is different than what we how we suggest you store your your hydroponic butter lettuce. How is that different? Uh, it's because, so funny because I would just do it the same way. How do you say? Uh, well, I I have found that the butter lettuce is so fragile yeah. that it's better to to what I what I recommended for this week since we have the hydroponic butter is to put the it has a root ball on it, mm-hmm. um, and so just put it in a bowl of water for a couple hours. The root ball at room temp. Right, on okay. your counter, put mm-hmm. it in a bowl of water for a couple hours, and then um, just take it and put it in um, a bowl, like a Tupperware bowl, mm-hmm. put the lid on it and put it in the fridge. Hmm. And then before you make your salad, wash eat gently each leaf yeah. and dry it. Yeah. And so with our little gem lettuce, I recommend you cut the butt off, mm-hmm. um, wash and spin it dry, mm-hmm. and then put it in a plastic container whether it's like a bread box size or yeah. round and then put it in the fridge yeah because it holds up better it's it's crispy and yeah it heartier. Ha- yeah heartier I would love to see the inside of your fridge is it just <laughs> I mean is it all talk and is it all advice or is your is your fridge really do you have everything prepped and ready all the time no I don't have everything prepped it's because I don't wash things until I use them like broccoli yeah I you know but I do I have found and and you know, some people are not happy with this idea, but I have found that that produce stores well when it's either in a baggie mm-hmm. or in a container. Yeah. And if you just put um, a stalk of celery or a <laughs> bunch of carrots loose in your fridge, yes, it will become very limp. You have to. I, that is so funny. You say that. I have carrots loose in the crisper right now in our fridge because it was just laziness. I mean, it's, and that's Mm -hmm. sad because it's wasteful. I fully acknowledge that, but I'm actually leaving them in there because it's so hilarious that they are, I mean, you can bend them almost into a U shape right now. So yes, keep them in a bag. Or do you and say they hold for they hold for weeks? Weeks, in yeah. That bag. Do you say that people aren't loving that sometimes because of plastic usage? Because of the plastic. Gosh, it's such a shame. I mean, I and I reuse my plastic bags same. over and over again, and especially the Ziploc ones. I turn them inside out. I yep. wash them, let them dry, and reuse them. Yeah. Um, and we used to use plastic bags. To in our boxes, yeah, you may remember yeah, that. Yeah. It's been a, a few years, yeah. And um, we were going through, you know, and they're big. Actually, they're lettuce liners, liners. is what they are. Yes. And in the produce business, they're big lettuce liners, and we would buy them um, and line our fresh harvest right. boxes with them. 
And um, we were going through 6,000 bags a week. Oh, my gosh. That's so hard. And, that's so and, hard. And, you know, people thought it was convenient because they could pick up the bag. Yeah. If they were at their pickup location, they just could leave just the pick box. and leave the box. Yeah. But it was not sustainable. No. And so we, we finally found um, a company that would make... And it was during COVID. Yeah. Is it paper? It's, it's paper, a paper, right? yeah. Yeah. It's food grade uh, paper liner that can be yeah. composted or put in the blue can. You yeah. Know? So that's much, much better for yeah. us. Yeah. We can't reuse, we do reuse our boxes, but only because we reline them with a fresh liner. When you came to Tally, did they hire you specifically to develop the CSA? Yes. Okay. So they knew had, they wanted it. Yes. Okay. They had decided Brian wanted to try it. Mm-hmm. And because he travels the world and he's he's been all over and he wanted to try this. And so they did a little business study on it, a little um and 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 then they started looking for somebody, and they wanted something, somebody that had produce knowledge mm-hmm. and a direct-to-consumer background. Mm-hmm. And down in Orange County, I had started in 1998, after I did mixed loading off the Los Angeles wholesale produce market, mm-hmm. I started a little company called Sweet and Fresh Fruits and Vegetables. Mm-hmm. And we did home and office delivery of fresh produce. And we had subleased a part of a warehouse towards Los Angeles, and we packed orders. And back then, people didn't have computers. Yeah. No, this was 1998. People yeah. didn't have computers. It was kind of emerging, like, oh, maybe yeah. I could have a computer. Oh, my gosh, Andrew, look. Look. Oh, it's a, oh, oh it's I a thought dog. it was a coyote. Thought it was a deer. Oh, he lives next door. Because oh. we, have, we have about 15 uh, families um, oh. that work for us that, that live on the ranches. Okay, so listener, I thought it was a coyote, but it's a little dog. And now I see he has German a Shepherd. collar on. Yeah, but Canelo. His, his name's Canelo. Cane- oh, isn't that? Yes. Yeah, okay. I love it. Okay, so sorry. So you did have a background in direct yes, consumer. Yes, I had my part-time business for 13 years down yeah. in Orange County. And um, we the idea of that company was that we would have whatever was uh, t- good tasting in the boxes. So it could be um, apples in the, our springtime out of Chile mm. because mm. they were new crop out of Chile. And it's their there. fall, yeah. right? And so they had better flavor than the older Washington apples that were harvested six or eight months earlier. Right. And or um, the, some of the cantaloupes, if they were good, um, they would be offshore out of Honduras. Mm-hmm. And so that was that idea of just what we put on the list. We had a new list every week that we would fax. <laughs> we would mail it. We would hand it out, you know. And so, and then people would call in their orders mm-hmm. um, or fax back their orders. And, and so it was very, I mean, that was people... Younger people, they don't know those times when we didn't have certainly computers. Don't. Yeah, but so that's kind of like an early iteration of home you know, delivery. Home delivery, exactly. But it was very, it was as as much direct as possible. We, uh, my husband and I, know a lot of people even to this day that are salespeople or owners of companies that are on the Los Angeles wholesale produce market mm-hmm. or right off the market. Um, LA produce people mm-hmm. and he grew up in that business down there yeah. and so we knew I mean who to go to for 
the best apples yeah. or the best potatoes or you know who brought in the freshest and had the best quality. Mm -hmm. And um, when I worked for Dole, we were always Dole and Bud Antle were top quality produce growers. Mm -hmm. And um, and then when I did mixed loading, I always looked and purchased the best quality yeah. to ship to Portland or wherever our my customers were. And then with sweet and fresh, you become you get a reputation. Yeah. If you if you buy poor quality or number two quality, that's what people know you for. Yeah. And so we've you mean always, in the industry, in not the, just even consumers, right. but in the industry, in you the get industry, a reputation. Yes. Yeah. And so if you only buy number one quality and you insist on top quality, then people know I've had growers say, you know, I really don't have your, your quality to wow. sell you this week. Or, yeah. you know, they're not ready or they're too small or there's going to be quality issues with it. So they're not just trying for a cheap buck with you. They're right. not trying they to pull know. one over. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and in this produce business, your reputation mm -hmm. follows you forever. And I know people to this day that I worked with at Dole, mm -hmm. that I sold at Dole 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Um, yeah, 40 years ago in the 80s. Wow. And so... I still, they're still in the business today, and, and one of them, I, I buy organic um, melons, California melons from him. Yeah. So, and, and he knows what I want, mm -hmm. and, and so your reputation follows you, and I think that's true in many industries. Yeah. I, oh, we tell the totally. kids that come through here that work for us, um, that we mentor, and our interns, or work for us through college or high school, mm -hmm. it's super important to to have a good reputation because it follows you wherever you go. Yeah, totally. And, you know, you're talking about um, the difference between maybe 30, 40 years ago and now. I think now there is kind of a, um, not a lie, but a, a misconception with young people that you can be transient, you can move through a city, you can move through different industries. That's all that's all true, but your reputation does still matter and it does still follow you, especially with the breadcrumbs of the internet right. that you can trace back to right. somebody's um, behavior or their career or whatever. It, it, you can't just scrap it all and become someone new and not have a, you know, there is still a reputation that yes, follows that you. Yes, that will follow you. Yeah. Well, the tallies, when they decided um, to start this program, so they started looking, and I, we had moved up here, we had bought our house in May of um, 2011, mm -hmm. and then finally moved up here um, at Thanksgiving mm -hmm. of 2011. And, um, and I thought, well, we live in South County, and I thought, well, I could easily work for a big grower in Santa Maria. Yeah. Um, could go and, either direction. Right. Yep. And my husband's like, well, just relax. Don't worry. Just let it flow. The right job will come along. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I always say this is how God works, because when mm -hmm. things fall into place. Yeah. And um, so I hadn't really started interviewing. This was at Thanksgiving. It was the holidays. The boys were coming home. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, but I have uh, some good friends from college that lived and worked here still. And um, David Block was our wine sales manager at mm -hmm. Tally mm -hmm. for, I think, 10 years. And he was there at that time when I started the program, you know, when I first moved back up here. And the Tallies, once they decided, they told everybody, hey, you know, we're looking for this kind of person. Yeah. 
And so they told the wholesale um, sales manager. They told everybody at the winery. They, and um, I had told my old boss when I did mixed loading in Los Angeles. I said, "Hey, I'm moving up to um, up, you know, to the Central Coast. So if you hear of a job opening in Santa Maria, let me know." Well, he buys from Tally, the wholesale side. Ah, uh, yeah. And so. They started asking, hey, if you know anybody with produce experience that, you know, we're, we're looking for somebody to start this program. And so my old boss, he goes, hey, I know just the person. She just moved there. <laughs> and then at the Christmas party, at Brian's Christmas, at the Tally Vineyard's Christmas party, Brian put it out there with David. They were talking, and David and Julie, they were like, well, I know the perfect person. Oh, she just moved up here. And that's when I say... So coming from both angles there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I never interviewed with anybody else, and they never interviewed another person. Wow. It and they've just, never had a different director of Fresh, fresh Harvest. Right, You're it. right. Yeah, 11 yeah. years. This will be our 11. 11 years, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sure you know this, but anytime I've talked to Brian Talley about you... Um, I mean, he just, it, the the comments are so, so shining and positive. Oh, he has said that you are like an energizer bunny and that you have developed this program <laughs> totally single-handedly. And um, it is an institution around here, especially as we've talked about since COVID. Yes. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about maybe, you know, that first weekend of lockdown, how that felt for you? Well, and uh, we, we always came to work here. We never work from home during COVID. And wow. we pretty much just went back and forth. And so back and forth meaning home and home work. to work. Yeah. Home to work. And everybody, um, we were cleaning the office every day and you know, we took a lot of precautions here and our cooler took precautions and we spread everybody out. Mm-hmm. But um the phones we had just updated we have a custom website yeah the back end that manages all the data and that it we don't store credit cards on our website but mm-hmm. you know it flows through that and um i mean it, it, everything was going wild and we had just updated um our back end of our website Thank God. yes and <laughs> i mean that was they started in january um chris couch and refresh yes started it in january to start updating it and so it could handle more volume and more data and then in march we were ready and that is so cool with just it was wild can you imagine if you hadn't done that yeah it may have crashed it may have crashed yeah, yeah. we wouldn't have been able to handle you know the data and so People were signing up, and we tripled in size um, almost overnight. What is the, What are the numbers now compared to then? We do well w- before COVID. We were doing like two thousand boxes a week, yeah. and and now we do about thirty five hundred. Um, wow! And and we you know people go every other week. We have about eight thousand subscribers. Yeah. And so, but people go every other week. Yeah. Um, and so it would. Like we've always thought, gosh, we take a week off after Christmas traditionally. Yeah. Yeah. So then everybody wants to get a box the week after. Yeah. And plus we, it's January first. People are trying to, you know, yes. eat and we're we're like, Oh please, we can't have, you know, eight thousand boxes in one week. Right. And so it it's works out fine. We also have started um expanding geographically recently. Well, you've been pushing, I know you've been pushing to say we can ship to anywhere. Yes, we can ship throughout the western US. Right. And we ship about five hundred boxes a week. Incredible. Overnight. Um, but we started, um, 
One of our growers who grows stone fruit in the San Joaquin Valley, they used to have a little CSA, and they were supplying people up in Mammoth Lakes Mm -hmm. and Bishop. And they went out of business. They decided to close it down, and uh, they recommended us. Mm -hmm. And so we started overnight shipping up there. And we have so many customers up there yeah. that we decided to to run one of our trucks up there every week. Wow. So we have a truck. That's um, pretty far out there. It I mean, is. It's, it's an eight-hour drive yeah. for our drivers, you know, that's, and they stay the night sure. in Bishop, yeah. and then they come back. And um, and we have, like, the Paiute Indian tribe up there that yeah. orders and lots of individuals so yeah. it's kind of a food desert they yeah that I would, they that's what I would call it yeah so we we go up every Friday and our driver you know, delivers in that afternoon he leaves super early in the morning and mm-hmm. gets up there and spends the night and and then comes home on Saturday and sometimes he can uh, if I have produce um, in Bakersfield from growers there he can stop and pick up yeah, product for me on yeah. Saturdays. But it's a constantly moving target, right? I mean, that's something I'm picking up from being here is, you know, you can't, it's a natural product. It's a highly perishable product, mm-hmm. even if we're talking about the hardiest things. Even I apples, mean, right. Yes, exactly. So you can't predict two weeks in advance what will be available. I mean, you can have a basic idea, mm-hmm. but you can't guarantee it. I know what's in season, yep. um, certain seasons, what um, you know, we have asparagus, California asparagus mm-hmm. in the spring, and you pretty sure. much know. But what exact week will it be ready to harvest? Yeah. That's that is changes, and weather is the only thing that farmers can't control. No, I no. mean we can anticipate demand. Mm-hmm. We know people want celery at Thanksgiving, barring a COVID strawberries. global pandemic, and <laughs> well, and strawberries at Easter. You know, some of yes, these traditional yes. strawberries and asparagus at Easter, yeah. and um, mm-hmm. but and we can um, control our crops pretty good, but it's the weather. Yeah. If it's super cold, things don't grow. If you mm-hmm. get a lot of rain, it can destroy or um, you know, affect the quality. Can change the game. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It could be super hot and things burn up. Yeah. So that's the only thing we can't control. As you say, strawberries and asparagus at Easter. Right now we're recording in Oh, it's February first. Yes. And I love how the seasons, I'm sure you feel this too, but as you mentioned those things, I mean that's kind of our next threshold to go through is spring greens and peas and asparagus and yes. I think of fennel as you know these these very um, tender greens and herbs my body when you said asparagus and, and strawberries I mean immediately I'm like oh I'm ready I'm ready for that that's yes. the next thing right. that we get to right so that cyclical seasonal thing I mean you being here 11 years you probably have a very attuned acute ability to sense what's next. Do you feel that seasonality in your Absolutely. in your Absolutely. being? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And we eat that way like we practice what we preach. Yeah. Randy and I, Lisa, Cindy in the office, we cook, we practice what we preach. Mm-hmm. We work out, we eat healthy. 
Um, we live a healthy lifestyle. You know, we go to bed early, wake up early. I know. I'm envious of that. You said you go to bed at 9, and it's like... We get up at 4. And, and You get up at four. 4. Is it because of work to be here? Well, I have to be at work about 6.30, yeah. but I do my yoga in the morning. I've always been an early bird, and yeah. I don't know why. It, it's just, it must be, like, genetic. My my dad was a late person. Yeah. but our, I think it is genetic. I'm, or, like, you're funny, predisposed. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I've always, like, at Cal Poly, I would get up at 3 and study instead of staying up late. Oh, my gosh, that's insane. <laughs> so, that's so the produce business, I was perf- it was perfect for me. It's a good, it's it a was good, good match. Fit because I've always gotten up early in produce. That was, yeah. you know, when I would visit customers, wholesale customers throughout the country, all of their activity happens early in the morning. Yeah. They're loading their trucks. Um, and so if I want to see what goes on in their warehouses, I've got to get up and get down yeah. there and look at it. Are you out and about? Do you do a lot of you know, I try field and visit trips? A, like, a, the best part of my job is visiting growers. Yeah. And I really like that. And, and to develop the relationship, to meet the salesperson mm-hmm. in person, and to see how they pack, how they grow... That's really, and, and a lot of our growers, they really appreciate us. They really like that we talk about them, yeah. that we link to their websites. Yep. Um, we don't claim to grow everything ourselves. The big part, I'm really proud of our program um, that we support yeah. California growers. Yeah. That's the we only have California produce in our boxes. Yeah, both organic and conventional, mm-hmm. um, and it's it supports California from small growers around here mm-hmm. to some of the larger growers. But they are hiring. You know, they're California farm workers working there, yeah. Yeah. and and there are some growers that um, like California asparagus coming up. There are very few growers anymore of California asparagus. Why is that? It's expensive to grow. Yeah. It's a dedicated crop. It's expensive crop. to buy. Well, know? in Mexico, this time of year, all the asparagus is coming out of Mexico. Mm-hmm. And they are growing a lot of asparagus. Um, and so their labor is less. Their yeah. land value is less. Yeah. And the growers here, it's a dedicated crop. So it stays in the ground year round. Dedicated meaning it it, it, it just it, never it's you don't dig it up and plant new. I see. Okay. Like you know, with our most of our crops besides our our blackberries and raspberries, you know, once that field once you finished harvesting the zucchini, then, then we plant something else. Right, plant something else. Yeah. But with asparagus, it's dedicated, and the roots stay in the ground. I had no idea. And so you only get that one spring crop. You can go back in and pick it numerous times. It you know it starts to grow, yes. and you go through and pick, and then you you know you continuously pick it. But after that season's done, then that's it, and you can't and grow anything else on that land. Wow! So that land that is good insight and perspective into why asparagus can be so expensive. I mean, $6 at the grocery store for a bundle, it's just, or, or more. And, and they do, like Mexico comes in really heavy uh, right about this time, mm-hmm. right before spring, and the California growers can't compete with those low sure, prices. Sure. But the way they've tried to time it so that they're the Mexico finishes, mm-hmm. and then um, before um, Washington and Oregon, they grow a lot of asparagus. So yeah. before they start, 
there's a window there yeah. for California growers. So you should be very proud of the fact that you support all these California growers. I mean, this, I was just reading yesterday, um, somebody calling California the land of milk and honey, and the fact that we are on the coastline, it's this you know magical kind of Xanadu place. It's also our, um, you know, the fruit and vegetable basket of sometimes the world, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's important that we support that which keeps so many of us employed. I mean, you know, they're they're those my job depends on ag stickers. Yes, I have one on my car. I mean, honestly, so does mine. (laughs) So does mine. Uh, My livelihood has everything to do with agriculture. And I think so many of us, if you really backed it all the way up, it does. It does. And my heart depends on ag. To pallets, to cartons. Um, and of course, all the inputs. Yeah, um, cork suppliers for right. wine. I mean, it Bottles. really goes so far back. Tell me back to the um, boxes. <laughs> you know, you'll you'll talk to somebody who gets a tally box and just love it. People are so loyal to it. But then sometimes you'll hear like, "Oh, we're getting cauliflower for like the ninth week in a row." What are some of the complaints that you hear? I, I want to laugh, you know, because yes. it's yeah, it's well, sure. so funny. But you, you know, they always wind up in your lap. So what are some of those well, things um, that drive people is, crazy? Um, and we really we try not to put things in the boxes, the same item, mm-hmm. longer than. Well, people buy a lot of people get a box every other week. Yeah. So then we want to have something two weeks in a row. Yeah. And then we kind of want to take a break. Um, and then depending, like this time of year, there's there, we don't have green beans, we don't have zucchini, right? We don't have a lot of the dinner vegetables. Mm-hmm. So then we have to kind of live with broccoli, cauliflower, and Brussels sprouts yep. a lot. And um, <laughs> so that's it. And now that we can customize people, we allow customization. So if people don't want cauliflower, they can take it out and add more broccoli or yep. something else that we offer. Do they, they have to pay a fee, I think. Yeah, right? we have a $2 fee because we, it's a whole separate um, well, packing I just line. Saw that. Right? Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah, it takes some time. Our website, um, we are on the finishing end of um, people being able to customize on our website. Yeah. So that will save us time in the office, Mm -hmm. but it will also increase. And we want people to get what they want. I mean, if you don't like cauliflower, we don't want you to have it. Yeah. Um, You can't force people to try things. You know, we try and encourage people to try new things with our recipes. Yep. And that's a huge part of our... um, of our boxes are the recipes, but the but the complaints of people, it takes time to eat healthy. Yes, that is the basic point. Is yeah. it takes time to be healthy? And I tell people, well, if you don't take time to be healthy now, you're going to spend time at the doctor's office. Yep, yeah. going from one appointment to another, or being in the hospital, or not feeling mm-hmm. well when you're older. Mm-hmm. So how we, we are, what we eat, yeah. and so I, I think it, people they they get busy, and I've been there, and I understand that, and mm-hmm. you know, so we try and give them like quick recipes that you know don't take a lot of ingredients. Oh, I always thought that they time. yeah they were always and we test great. them. Cindy is really good. Uh, we both are cooks, and so yeah. we test things. But that's the main one. I think people we rarely have a complaint on quality. Oh, no, I wouldn't imagine. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, it happens. Um, yeah. But it is it is mostly like, gosh, I just can't do it. I can't, <laughs> I can't handle it. Brussels sprouts. Yeah, people, you know, and people go out to eat, although perhaps not as much these days. Yeah. But 
but it, it's really about cooking from scratch and eating healthy. Yeah. You know, I, it's, it's time for sure, but mm-hmm. it's also energy level. I have found I'm being totally transparent. I don't get the box anymore. I wish that I, as I'm talking to you, I'm like, we'll have to give you one to take home. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll totally take it. But it's just, it's a, you know, we would it have it. It can be overwhelming. And it I, can be. And with COVID, I think I lost something there. I lost the energy in a lot of ways to keep up with having things prepped in the mm-hmm. fridge. Um, you know, it's just, it's a lot. So what that tells me then is I need to look at how I'm spending my energy. You know, where is it going? How, right. you know, because if I can't prep, um, if I can't handle dirt in my in my kale or, you know, whatever it or is. Or have time to wash it or then store I need it to, correctly. Yeah, so then I need to revisit what are, where is my energy going? I think that that's, it's so easy to complain about time, but mm-hmm. it isn't just time. It's about my level of exhaustion when I get to the kitchen at 5 p.m. to start prepping right, for dinner. Right, right. And I feel it too. And there's just two of, of us Of course home, you do. You know? Yeah, right. So I, when I uh, was raising our boys, when I was um, at home more, um, when they were little, mm-hmm. I um, I put together a two week menu. Wow, and, that's ambitious and, though and to go two outside weeks, of one. And week. I had a list. I kept a card with all our favorite recipes on it. Yeah. So then, when I would sit down on that weekend and figure out two weeks worth of menu, mm-hmm. then I would write out all the ingredients I needed and then chop every yeah. two weeks. But it was very easy because, and and I didn't necessarily like we had baseball practice and so or soccer. Well, the, then I would have um, my spaghetti sauce that was frozen. Yeah, you know, and yeah. I pull that out and it was quick. Yep. Or um, or I would make chicken little chicken pot pies. Yeah, I just froze a big thing of vegetarian chili. Yeah, and um, then you can I make twice you, as much. Right, and, yeah. and you freeze according to your how you know your size the size of that you need. Yeah, and. And so just a little planning yeah, goes little a bit long of... way to, and even now, um, when there's just two of us and our, our dinners are, are more basic, mm-hmm. um, like last night I, I had made over the weekend some butternut soup and, and we had a big salad and butternut soup and yep. it was quick and easy, but, um, but even now I'll think, what are we going to have for dinner? And oh, I, I have no and, idea right now what we're going to have I try and yeah. think about it in the morning, usually yeah. in the shower. I think, okay, what are we having for dinner? Do I need to pull some salmon out of the, ref- yep. the freezer? Or, um, but if you have that list, yep. then you may not make that spaghetti or have that spaghetti on that Wednesday like you have planned, but you bring in something else and you have all your yeah. ingredients. Yeah, yeah. It's shopping from the freezer. The freezer is your friend. Mm-hmm. The freezer is your friend. Yeah. You um, told me that you've been vegan since November. I um, I have. And that's... For it's, your cholesterol. For my cholesterol mm-hmm. level. And so um, our son, our 30-year-old, our youngest son, he is super healthy, super in shape. And he called one day and he goes, you know, I just had my cholesterol and taken, you know, my blood work and it, I have high cholesterol. What's going on? 30 years old. That's young. Yes. Yeah. And he was worried about that. And so he's, so he went vegan for four months mm-hmm. and then he had his blood work done again and it dropped drastically. Yeah. Yeah. And so it really opened my eyes. When and are you getting checked again? In March. 
In okay. March, I'll do my blood work. It yeah. is like in November. And, you know, I cheat a little bit during the holidays. Like uh, the pumpkin pies I made, I used egg, real yeah. eggs. Yeah. You know, if I'm cooking for the family. and um, But I, I, I miss chicken and I miss cheese. Cheese, that's what everybody it's says. Really it's just hard. never quite the same, no. is it, with vegan? But the tofu is great. And a lot of my yeah. recipes, my taco meat, I, you know, took out the ground chicken and mm-hmm. I add tofu. And yeah. it's just as good. You or cauliflower we talked about. Rice, rice and cauliflower. cauliflower rice. And yeah. So it's been pretty easy. It, I do say I don't have to spend money on meat. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is more expensive, like the butter. And, you know, the vegan butter is expensive. The vegan sour cream. Hey, cashews aren't cheap either. You know, any kind of tree nut is pretty expensive. Yeah. But I'm very curious to see. I'm I'm very hopeful. Mm -hmm. But I have to remind myself, you know, I may be really disappointed too. Well, I mean, we'll just have to see. (laughs) So that must mean... Do you just not eat out for the past several well, months? Well, I'll eat fish. So when okay. we go out, you know, I'll choose fish. Yeah, fish tacos yeah, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So that's that's we do eat salmon, a lot of salmon. I I buy local salmon and yeah. so um but we'll see. I'm very excited just to see the difference. Yeah, yeah. We to s- see what not eating eggs, you know. Yeah. We don't eat eggs. Um and the cheese and right. you know, so we'll see what happens. And the butter, we don't yeah, I know. Oh gosh, you're listing off some of the best things in <laughs> I life. Know. I don't mean to remind you. Well, when you, I but... cook, when I bake or something, <laughs> yeah. you know, my husband Randy is um, uh, he has celiac, so he's all, we've already oh, been my eating. My husband gluten. has celiac too. Yeah. So and it's very simple to eat gluten free these days. Yes, yeah. yes, There's a it lot is. Of options. It is. It's true. So let's pretend then that you don't have any restrictions on your diet. Okay. And you are planning your last meal on earth. Okay. Now, maybe you want to go out for it, or maybe you want to cook it, or maybe, you know, you can have anybody there to help you cook it. So if you're, in, you know, having your mom by your side, whatever, what would you eat? What would you drink with it? And who would be with you? Oh, well, that's quite a question. I know. I would ha- definitely. Non-binding, you don't have I to. I would definitely have our boys and my husband yeah, yeah. with us. And some of our close friends. But one of my favorite recipes is our sesame chicken and broccoli recipe. Oh my gosh, I, I want love. that. Yeah. And, and now I use tofu in it. Mm-hmm. And it's good, but I still <laughs> miss the chicken. <laughs> I'm sensing some reservations. <laughs> I, I really want to get into March. And when I find out, yes, it really worked, I will buy chicken again yeah but i probably won't go back to um fresh eggs as in terms of cholesterol chicken really isn't right all that i mean it's not up there but yeah cheese yes and eggs and butter yeah and and i you i i felt like i had to draw the line it's like okay either i'm gonna go all the way in this test or or not and yeah. so I went, I've gone all the way. And Randy's come along with me, and he's fine. And, you know, yes, the yeah. earth-balanced butter is fine. Yeah. And But if I'm baking or making fudge or... Oh, boy. You have yeah. to use the real you gotta stuff. Go. Yeah. yeah. So you're, are you going to have that chicken, sesame, broccoli for, for your last meal? Yes. That's what I, I would... I would it. love that. That is our favorite all-time meal, yeah. that, that 
it's and and the original recipe was just for chicken and then we started doing the broccoli with it yep. and rice like we're my husband's a big rice fan so same, we eat same. a lot of brown rice yeah we buy it you know like when Costco has California brown brown rice you know you get the whole big the whole you know, bag and, yeah I love brown but rice really, nutty chewy yes and healthy yeah yeah so you want something familiar but also I mean it's it, that recipe is very. It's very you because, you know, you've been working in produce all these many yeah. years and it makes sense. We've yeah. always had a lot of produce in, in the house. Yeah. And that was why I started my little business back in 98, that sweet and fresh, because our neighbors, like Randy was still working in produce and I was a stay-at-home mom at that time when mm-hmm. the kids were little. And people would ask our neighbors, like, how come I bring home, you know, a lug of peaches or Mm -hmm. strawberries and give them to our neighbors? And they would ask, how come we can't get this kind of produce in the store? Mm -hmm. And that was why I started that little company. And, and, and it was part time, but it was, it was, it was good. I did it for 13 years. And, you know, my girlfriends worked for us. And so, um, but we've always had a lot of produce in the house. And we have a little joke, um, my husband and I, and so um, we, you know, produce is the only thing we fight about. <laughs> it is. I mean, for years oh. when I was a broker in LA and he was buying for his company. Yeah, what's this fight? And he would, well, you know, he would teach me, he would, like, we'd argue, like, well, for my little company, he would do the buying for us at Sweet and Fresh. And he would say, why did you put this on the list? You know these are not going to be good. This is the wrong <laughs> variety of melon or apple or whatever. Yeah. And um, and so we always, and even today at Tally, because he's our quality control man. Yeah. And so he's here, he works in the mornings. And he looks at all the, and a lot of times on Saturday afternoon, he'll come in and look at everything before Monday Um and so, um, so we never, we just fight about produce. Yeah. And his little joke is, well, we don't fight about, we just fight about produce. We don't fight about sex and money because we don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any of those we things. We don't have those things, but we always have lots of produce. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. And I love that you get to do work together. Yes. We have worked together for, since the 80s. So Because cool. he was one of my big accounts and... Um, at Dole, and and then he helped train me on how to receive produce. How do you receive wooden lugs of grapes out of chili? Mm-hmm. How do you know? Um, how do you know to, how to look at them? Yep. And, and then put them back together. Put those wooden lugs back together again, so mm-hmm. that they it could be sold after yep. you've received it and looked at it. And yeah. you know, how do you receive four pallets of green beans and make sure that the quality is good? And right. so, well, your expertise is. So valuable, so valuable, and I cannot wait to take that box. Okay, I'm excited. I'm gonna wash the lettuce that I'm supposed to wash. I'm gonna put the little root ball in the bowl, and I'm gonna be Andrea for a week. Instructions in every box. I love it. Store it. I love it, and I'm gonna get that um, the chicken sesame recipe so I can share with listeners. (laughs) Okay, Okay, good. Andrea, thank you for all of your work. Thank you for sticking it out through COVID and just rising to the occasion and and for doing this for so long. We all appreciate it. Thank you, Jamie. I I appreciate you being here and and having me talk about produce. It's my passion. Yeah. My passion is to get people to eat more produce. Mm -hmm. And, um, And a big thing happening in the industry these days is talking about food as medicine. Yeah. 
Yes, totally. Well, keep keep thumping that that Bible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. That's a wrap for this episode of Consumed. Thanks so much to Chris Lambert, who edits the podcast, and to you for listening. If you want more info about Consumed or any of my guests, visit letsgetconsumed.com. Until next time, I'm Jamie Lewis.